0: Well, good morning, everyone. As Linda mentioned, we are wrapping up the sermon series on discipleship today. And just as a review, for the past five weeks, we've covered quite a wide range of topics all the way from the kingdom of heaven here and now to spiritual disciplines to pastor eric's great discourse on loving god with all our heart mind soul and strength and uh, practical applications of how we can actually incorporate that into our lives today and we've even been trying out some extra credit assignments from week to week and for me over the past several weeks I've actually been collecting some stories and and giving some mini interviews with a few of you, and I have been very encouraged. And so in in preparing for this, um, I just thought it would be good to share a, a small sampling of some of these success stories of people in our own congregation engaging in disciplines to bring God before their minds into their everyday lives. I did get permission to share these also, by the way. So if you're like, oh, is he going to call me out? If I didn't ask you, I'm not calling you out. Don't worry. No surprises today. And I will say, whether these stories seem big or small, I believe each of them are substantial and meaningful steps. And so I hope that they're an encouragement to you as well as you take your own steps. Well, first we have... Diana Fung. Yes, I am calling you out, I guess. (laughs) Diana Fung, a busy employee and busy mom, and certainly a lot of other things on her plate right now, on top of all of that. Well, she found the time to put what she's learning into practice, and practice some silence and solitude. Yes, it was hard for her to be out of the house for very long. And yes, it's hard to take several uninterrupted hours to really do this. But you know what? She made the time to take one or two hours out on her deck, which she almost never does. And she just sat there by herself. The girls didn't bother her work and other obligations that needed to get done were just set aside completely for that time and out of her mind. And she could just be there. And you know what? She said it was good. It was what she needed. And now she's wondering if she might want more of that time. And she says, yeah, she's saying this to me. Yeah, it does feel like a bit that you have to find that time. But I actually really like what she said. She also said, you know, it's really more about making the time and prioritizing these things. She says, yeah, I, I have the time. Everyone has the time. It's really about making it a priority. And she's sure glad that she did. So thank you, Diana. Next, we have... Jared Lucas, we all know Jared. Jared and I are in a book club together along with a few others, and one activity that came up was to set aside several hours to read through one gospel in a single sitting, start to finish. Uh, I said several hours, we settled on two hours, and the gospel of Luke. As it turns out, it actually takes closer to at least three hours to actually read through the gospel of Luke, so yeah, we each got one read-through each. Now, Jared, and not not only Jared, but but Jared does not see himself as a strong reader. Actually, he prefers to listen, Um, nor as someone who can just sit and read scripture and stay focused the whole time. Again, this is not to bash Jared because, let's be honest, this is a lot of us, right? Well, on the day that he chose to do this exercise, he was already tired from work and in a sort of funk anyways. And so he was really just not in the mood to do this. But you know what? I'm impressed because he did it anyways. And two days later, we all hopped on a Zoom call and had the most vibrant and engaging discussion over Scripture that I've been a part of in a very long time. Jared's there pulling observations from all over Luke His questions are deep. His thoughts are insightful. Jesus is so clearly, obviously on his mind. And as I see Jared engaging in this discipline, what comes to mind is Jesus when he says, Every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures and old. So, Thank you, Jared, tuning in from Auburn currently. Lastly, Arjun Gupta. Oh, he's not even looking. Hi, Arjun. (laughs) Arjun is a relatively new dentist working at a practice in Oakland, and he's mentioned that pretty much all his life has been studying and working toward getting his dentistry license, and um, he's finally got it, and he's practicing, and before long, he found it empty. He found himself thinking, is this really it? Is this really what I worked for? Is this my life now, laboring over difficult clients until I retire or die? Is this, is this really it? But he's also been learning about the kingdom, about God with him, even with the difficult patients maybe especially with the difficult patients and so now instead of gossiping about them he's saying blessed are the difficult and combative patients that come into my office because god loves them too he's learning about prayer about talking with god about what he and god are doing together For him, it's no longer special times of prayer or just a morning quiet time that he can squeeze in. He does not have a prayer life. He has a praying life. He prays for every new client that walks through his door, and it's changed so much about how he goes about his work every day. He's no longer trying to find escapes out of his work. He has found joy in it because he knows that he's doing it with God, and there is much good and purpose to what he and God are doing together. Now, if you were not mentioned in these stories, that does not mean that I'm not encouraged by your progress. I I really am encouraged. Uh, I only have so much time to share, right? So these three stories. Uh, And all of this is not to say that these three have got it all figured out either. They'll be the first ones to tell you that that is not the case. There is still so much that they are wrestling with and figuring out. But that's okay. They are still learning. That's what disciples do. They're learning. But I do share these because I want us all to see that these things are doable, They are feasible. And these guys are reaping the benefits that come from it. So thank you, you three, for sharing your testimony and example. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we've covered a wide range of topics in really a short amount of time in this series. So I'd like to give you one last picture uh, to help clarify things and guide you. A discipleship roadmap if you will. So whatever you choose to do, wherever you choose to go, take this map with you, and you decide where you will go with it. Our road map can be found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Uh, I would think, actually, it would be worth it for you to either pull a Bible, if you have one, in front of you or on your phone, because we, we will be in this pretty much the whole, the whole uh, sermon, line by line. So, 2 Peter chapter 1, it's after Hebrews and after James, and after 1 Peter. Uh, I'm reading from the CSB, unless otherwise noted, on the screen. So, 2 Peter chapter 1. Simeon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God. And of Jesus, our Lord, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, Entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided for you. Here is our discipleship roadmap. And we have a few questions to answer. Who is this map for, anyways? Where am I on this map? And where will this map take me? So to take it from the top, who is this map for? Well, verse 1 to those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm often encouraged to speak in a way that is open and accessible to those who do not call themselves Christians and who do not have faith in Jesus. I'll have to apologize today because today's message is not directly for said people. This message is directed to those who have received faith. And I believe that to be so many of us here. I know that each and every one of you has a beautiful testimony of how you came to know our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. How you were lost and without hope, but now you're found and have an eternal hope that does not fail. I know that you have acknowledged him as Lord and Savior, and that your life is his. And so if that is you, you who have received this faith, then this roadmap is for you. As an aside, um, if if that is not you, or if this is your first time setting foot in a church, uh, this roadmap is still for you too. You're just at the start, the very beginning. And that's also okay. Uh, But do start there and not somewhere further along. So for most of us here, it'll be good for us to know where we are on this roadmap, so that we can correctly orient ourselves. And the way we know where we are is to trace where we've been, where we're coming from. Now, this almost might seem like a history lesson or, or review, and uh, I know not a lot of us enjoy history and maybe even find it boring at times, but I also know that we can at least acknowledge history is useful and important. It's important because one helps us to appreciate where we are now and two, so that we don't lose our way as we go on our journey. So verse two, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. This is where we're coming from. This is what we hold on to and can never forget and we can't mention enough the incredible work of Jesus in saving our lives. How you and I were as good as dead. Worse, even, we were enemies with God. We, we hated him and we were rebellious toward him. And yet, even then, he died for us. That's how much he loves us. And the peace. That we have knowing that we are good and right with our creator, with our heavenly father, and that our lives are safe and secure in his hands. Grace and peace to you all, brothers and sisters here at CLC. Furthermore, verse three, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We are people who are truly blessed because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's among us. It's active and present here and now. God has given us everything needed in life such that we really don't need to be anxious about our lives. We are cared for and have everything we need because God is who he is. He loves us. How could he not provide for us and give us the very best that just wouldn't be like him? Now, if I can go actually a little bit off script and a a quick aside, there's a few things that uh, came up this morning, just in the past couple hours. I heard of one person from our congregation kind of rushing themselves off to the hospital, A bit of a scare. Another person hearing some news that, well, some positive, but surgery is going to be needed. I know how these things look. I know the reality is around us. On the way here, driving, there's a lot of traffic. Why is there a lot of traffic? Well, there's paramedics and police cars and all of this, and we see it every day. And somewhat providentially, as I'm driving and seeing this scene, there's worship music playing in the background. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your name. Fear is not my future. You are Jesus. It felt weird, to be honest, it felt weird for me at first. How come I'm listening to this and singing it and I see this on the side of the road and my friend Is going to the hospital. But I'm glad those songs were playing. Because I know what it looks like. I know how it seems. But that's not where the story ends. That's what it looks like now. But it's not how it ends. And that's not how God leaves it. He loves us too much to make that the end of our story, to make that the end of our future. That's what we see now. But he is far, far greater than those things. He's done so much to get us where we are now. He's paid so much to win us. He's given up so much. Do you think he would really leave the story there? We really do have everything needed for life and godliness, really. Don't forget that. Never forget where you've come from. You cannot afford to forget your history. And so if you're ever lost, or you don't know which way to go, you must remember what he has done for you, who he is. His grace upon grace upon Grace. He's done so much in getting us to where we are here today. He will surely see us through. No matter what it seems like. Well, by these, his power, his glory, his goodness, by these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may share in the divine nature. Escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire, Well, first, these great and precious promises. There are many ways of describing what exactly this is, but I'll just choose one that Jesus used to illustrate it. John 14, verses 2 and 3. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also... May be where I am. Now, this one we already know, right? This is our hope that Jesus is coming back, that he will make all things good and new, that he has secured for us a place in eternity with him and with the Father. And as I was saying earlier, why would it be any different? He who has gone to such great lengths to save us, even to the point of allowing his son to die on the cross. Would he just allow our stories to end where they seem to end? No, he, far, he loves us far too much to let that happen. We have these great and precious promises. But I'm sure you have wondered what it will be like in the Father's house with many rooms. I mean, what will we even be doing there? Is it just an endless vacation with full room service and malasadas on the beach? As nice as that sounds, and as much as we all love Hawaii, that would eventually get pretty old pretty quick, would it not? No, I I think what is promised here is much, much better. Let's read Revelation 22, 3 through 5. This is the final chapter in the Bible and a vision of what eternity with him will be like. Revelation 22. There will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. What a beautiful reality to come. There will no longer be any curse. But don't miss those last few words. They will reign forever and ever. We don't often talk about reigning, and there's many good reasons why we might be inclined to believe that this does not refer to us. Oh, well, we're miserable sinners. Don't, don't let me reign over anything. Or, well, Jesus reigns, right? So maybe this is referring to him. Or, or I would not be so audacious to think that this is talking about me. Good reasons. Honestly, good reasons. But God is greater. God, who is supremely good and supremely creative, who has imbued this world with purpose and meaning, has also put that spark in us. We've just read from the last chapter in the Bible. Let's look at the first, Genesis 1, verses 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So from the very beginning, we have been given work. And good work to do. Mind you, this is before sin has entered into the world. This is not cursed, laborious work. This work was to be in God's creation and to have dominion over it. Other translations might use rule, dominion, rule. This is the same reigning language that is used in Revelation 22. Really, this is all kingdom language. Now, these days, we might have a negative connotation to these words. Let's be clear that this is not dominion and rule. That is oppressive, exploitative, selfish, and abusive. This is rule that is fruitful rather than pointless, that multiplies rather than steals, that fills rather than exhausts. This is God's method of ruling, one that gives life rather than destroys it. And in fact, this is a core part of what it means to be made in his image This is what we share in the divine nature. We are creative rulers employed with the production of good. And this is something that will continue forever and ever. So we find ourselves back in 2 Peter 1 verse 4. We have our great and precious promises and through them, we share in the divine nature of creativity and creating, of good work, of reigning that produces life. Brothers and sisters here at CLC, you have been called to a glorious life, one where you have meaning and purpose, where you are useful and fruitful. You have been called to a work that goes Way beyond just prestigious degrees and titles, or amassing wealth, or fine foods and exotic experiences. You are called to reign with Christ. And that starts now. Now, you've moved beyond the creeping things that creep on the earth, mentioned in Genesis, That's maybe no longer within your dominion, what you are responsible for. But now it's in your homes, at your jobs, with your kids. These are parts of your kingdom. These are within your dominion, your range of influence. Every pocket of your life is an opportunity to exercise your calling to reign with goodness And love to exercise your kingdom as God would exercise his if he were you. And it starts now. It will continue in 10 years. It will continue in 10,000 years. You are living in eternity now. And the good news is that because of what Jesus has done for you on your behalf you can now be a part of what God is doing in this beautiful, wonderful world now. You can be on board with this project. How's that for meaning and purpose, for great and precious promises? But you have to wonder, how prepared am I to run my kingdom? I've learned How to be a good doctor. I've learned how to be a good accountant. I've learned how to be a good tennis player. But I don't know if anyone has ever taught me how to be a good person. And this is where I imagine many of us will find ourselves on our roadmap. We've been rescued by God and given many great and precious promises, and those are secure for us. But how ready are we for our true calling as those who will be co-reigning with Christ forever and ever? To what degree have we escaped the corruption in the world and our evil desires such that we are able to share in the divine nature and rule for good? Can this even actually be done? And so at this point, Peter writes, pack it up, we're all miserable sinners till the day we die, we can't change anyways, and so it's hopeless to even try. Right, is that the conclusion he comes to? No, but rather, verse five, for this very reason, knowing where you've come from, the length God has gone to rescue you and set you up for a life and knowing that you share in the divine nature and there is so much good work for you. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance. Endurance with godliness. You'd think it would end with godliness, right? Godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with what is maybe highest of all of them, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me first note that Peter writes, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, it's progressive. These things take time. And so if you're sitting here asking the question, how prepared am I as a person to run my kingdom in goodness and love? And you're thinking, I don't think I'm cut out for this. My character is obviously lacking in some areas. That's okay. That's okay. You're learning. And I will say there's no need for us to throw a self-pity party. I know what our tendency is. I'm so horrible. I'm so bad. I'm the worst. I'm a bad person. There's no need for that. That's not helpful. And don't you know that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All that guilt, all that shame, that's the stuff that was earlier in the roadmap. Jesus already covered all of that. He's got you to where you need to be. So now you can hold your head up high and move forward in grace putting off your old qualities, and putting on the new. So maybe maybe you are easily stressed, anxious, irritable, impatient. Maybe you are selfish with your time and money. Maybe you're an angry person, a judgmental person, a lazy person. You are not condemned. You are not condemned and just as you needed mentors and teachers to become a good, whatever you are, you're going to need a teacher to teach you how to become a good, loving person. There's no one better to learn from than Jesus himself. Verse 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. You will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided for you. This is the direction our discipleship roadmap is taking us. That as we seriously intend to be disciples, to be students of Jesus, learning from him how to be like him, how to do the things of our everyday lives as he would do it if he were in our place, putting on these virtues, culminating in love, we will not stumble. We will not be shaken and shattered by the things of life that are currently shaking and shattering us. And we will not stumble in the areas we find ourselves repeatedly stumbling and falling. We will be like wise builders who built their house on the rock, the solid foundation of the rock. This is living in God's kingdom here and now And forevermore. Already, people have been entering and experiencing life in the kingdom and seeing it within their lifetime. Not that they have never stumbled at some point in their life, but they've come a long way in their journey, and that's made a huge difference. Not that many, if any of us, have arrived, but that was never the expectation. The expectation was that we would be disciples, learning from Jesus, making mistakes along the way, yes, but continually learning. And as we said, that's progressive, and that's okay. The point is that there is much we can do to supplement to our faith many qualities about our character, such that we are equipped for the work before us. And Jesus is capable and willing to show us how. So follow the example of Diana, who made the time to be in silence and solitude and slow her life down, who found a creative solution to make it work. She is taking steps toward the kingdom. Follow the example of Jared, who completely immersed himself in the life of Jesus, who said no to the comfortable distractions around him, begging for his attention at the end of a long workday, and instead did what he knew was good for his mind and for his soul. He is taking steps toward the kingdom. Follow the example of Arjun, who doesn't have much time outside of work to practice these things. And so he said, well, I guess I'll just have to practice them at work. He didn't wait for a convenient time to pray and talk with God. He just started doing it right where he was. And God responded. He is taking steps toward the kingdom. You've been given reign and responsibility over your place of work, your place of study, your home, your family. Do these things as Jesus would do them. Do them with Jesus. And if you're not sure what that looks like, just ask him and learn from him. He who gave everything to save you from death would not stop short in giving you life. He's gotten you this far along the road map. He's sure to guide you the rest of the way. It's up up to you to decide what you will do with the map, with your life, and who you're becoming. The means for it are all there. God has set up everything. Already. But you have to be the one to decide. He's not going to force you to do anything. You have to be the one to act. And so, our last extra credit assignment it's a simple but important one. Decide for yourself if you will be a Committed disciple, a student of Jesus, learning from him all that he has to teach you. And if you will, then identify what your next step is on the discipleship roadmap and take it. I'll share for my next steps. Caitlin and I have committed to meeting with another couple for six weeks to discuss The topic of communication, how to become people whose words don't tear down, but actually build up. We'll be sharing meals, sharing stories, sharing advice, doing relevant extra credit assignments together. And encouraging one another along our discipleship roadmaps as we become more like Jesus. And I'll open this up. If this is something that you would be interested in, please let one of us know. It's, it's an open invite, and, and we can talk more details later. Well, for identifying next steps, it would be perfectly acceptable to have a trusted spiritual mentor help you with any or all of these assignments. I would love to sit down over a meal or coffee, uh, just to hear your situation, and your life, and your story, and to brainstorm together what those next steps could look like. And if it's not me, I know anyone on the staff team would say yes to meeting up. So please do ask. We we don't think it's weird or awkward or uncomfortable at all. Please ask. Well, I'll I'll invite Pastor Calvin up uh, to lead us in communion as I close our time with words of blessing from our teacher, our savior, our friend, Jesus himself. Jesus says to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Thank you.